This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. Radio friends, last week we began a series of messages on the truth of marriage and the family for the glory of God. We began that series by looking into Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, which is the most foundational passage in the whole Bible on the truth of marriage. We noted that the truth of marriage is urgent, urgent especially for us in this generation where God's works and God's institutions are held in contempt by the world of unbelief, in which God calls us as the disciples of Jesus Christ to hear and to receive his living word. If you recall, last week we saw from Genesis chapter 2 a number of important truths concerning the truth that marriage is God's doing, that is, it is God's institution. It's God's institution because, first of all, it was God who made them male and female, man and woman. Why? In order that he might have a marriage. Number two, we saw that it was God's institution because he personally gave away the first bride. He brought Eve to Adam and gave her to him. Number three, we saw that it was God's doing because he spoke the design of marriage. He defined what marriage was to be. Verse 24 of Genesis chapter 2, A man shall leave his father and mother. It shall be a primary relationship in life and shall cleave to his wife. That is, he shall hold dearly to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. And finally, we saw that marriage was God's doing because God himself is the one who unites and joins us in marriage. Jesus said, as he expounded upon Genesis 2, verse 24, said these words, What therefore God hath joined together. Those words were Jesus' exposition upon the words, They shall be no more two twain, but one flesh. Jesus said that means God joins them together let that man put asunder. Now we want to today continue in this series and note the description of this marriage bond a bit more carefully and then emphasize exactly what God's intention was with marriage. That is, that it be a display of what is closest to his heart. First of all, then, that marriage is described by God in Genesis chapter 2 along these three elements. Number one, according to God's word, marriage is the union of a man and a woman. Verse 22, in the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her to the man. Same sex marriages. The relationship sexually of men, of man and man, woman and woman, is sin, as defined by God. 
And to use the word marriage to describe that relationship is to blaspheme God. The Apostle Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, that when man rejects God and makes himself out to be God or makes his own God, that God passes a just judgment upon man. And according to Romans chapter 1, verse 24, part of that judgment of God upon men who set themselves to reject him and will not bow to him is this. God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between them. He gives them over to immorality, a forsaking and a turning away from the true God is visited with the judgment of immorality. The lust of sinful flesh breaks out. And then, that lust of sinful flesh is also judged by God. And this is what the Apostle Paul says, verses 26 and 27. For this cause, God gave them over to vile affections. For even their women changed the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was met. Marriage, as defined by God, is the union of a man and a woman. Same-sex marriage is a sin. It's not the only sin in the world. It's not the unpardonable sin. It is sin to which the gospel of Jesus Christ calls men and women to forsake, to repent, to turn from, to cast aside, and to bow in humble repentance before God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, we learn that marriage, according to what it is, is intended by God as the lifelong bond of a man and a woman until severed in death. In the beginning, Jesus said, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That's what Jesus said God said in the beginning. He shall cleave, that is, he shall hold on to his wife. God didn't use the plural. He didn't say wives. He used the singular. Two wives for one man is one too many. A man can love all of his children equally much, but he can love only one woman at a time. And Jesus drew the conclusion from Genesis chapter 2 that since God joins a man and woman together, only God can sever them. It was Jesus who said, Let not man put asunder. Man severs that union. But God says, or Jesus says, Let not man put asunder. And so we read in the Word of God, Romans 7, verses 2 through 4, that a woman is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if he be dead, she is free from that law. Marriage is a lifelong bond. It's a lifelong bond of a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, until death, as we're going to see in just a moment, because marriage is a picture of God's faithfulness to us as church. Number three, we learn that marriage, according to God's design, is the primary bond or relationship in life. A man, Genesis 2:24, a man shall leave his father and mother. Now, 
not in the sense that the relationship of parent and child, father and son, mother and daughter is over, but when God says shall leave his father and mother, he means in the sense of what is first and primary. God intends that marriage be a union which is first and primary in our life, the life of those who are married, if you are married. Not the guys that you used to hang out with, not focusing on someone else who's going to supply your emotional needs and who would be so understanding, but your husband and your wife, the two of you, are in that primary bond of life. Your marriage is primary, something that identifies you, something that you are to care for first. Now why? Why did God do all of this? Why did God create? And why did God give marriage? And the answer is, His own glory. Marriage was given by God, as all things were made by God, for one purpose, God's glory. He made all things for his own glory. For of him, Romans 11, verse 36, For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. But how? How is marriage for God's glory? And the answer to that question is, marriage is for God's glory, because marriage is the beautiful, is the bond that displays God's beautiful covenant. In Genesis 2, verse 24, God is speaking of a union. A man shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. They shall, a man shall cleave to his wife. Well, what kind of relationship is this? Is this between the man and the woman a 50-50 relationship? Why are they to hold to one another? Why can't they walk away from this? Why can't they go from spouse to spouse to spouse? Why is adultery sin? Why? And why may not marriage be rooted in romance? Why can't you fall in and out of love and fall in and out of marriage? Why? Why is marriage a lifelong bond? Because marriage is given by God to point to something far deeper, something true about himself. It points to something more permanent, far more glorious. It points to a sacred covenant that God makes with us, his people, in Jesus Christ. Our marriages are sacred covenants. They are commitment to weather the storms of life together because we are called in our marriage to reflect God in His commitment and covenant toward us. This becomes very plain in the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. In verse 31, as Paul has been speaking about marriage and the calling of a husband and a wife, he too quotes from Genesis 2, verse 24, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then in verse 32 he adds, This is a great mystery, what I've been talking about, this marriage, this joining of a man and a woman. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now that is the most staggering and profound thing that could ever be said about marriage. In other words, marriage 
is patterned after Christ's commitment to his church. When God created man in the beginning as male and female and brought them into a union called marriage, he was patterning that after Christ and his bride, the church, not the other way around. God did not first make marriage and then say, well, hmm, how illuminating it would be if I would pattern my relationship in Christ toward my people after this marriage. I know I'll pattern Christ in the church after what I have done here in the beginning. No, no, that's not the way it is. But God said it was first Christ and the church. It's first me in my love to my elect in Jesus Christ. That's first. And now I will make marriage to display that. It was first Christ, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, who was slain from the foundation of the world. It was first God's eternal grace flowing through Jesus Christ onto his elect. Before there was an Adam, before there was an Eve, and in his own heart, because this is who he is, he's faithful. He's a God of covenant faithfulness. Because that's who he is. He designed marriage after the very relationship that abides in his eternal breast and heart toward us in Christ. So, your marriage exists for the glory of God. Do you know why God gave you a wife? Do you know why God gave you a husband? To display to the world the truth about the faithful love of God. That's why. God brings us together not first of all for ourselves. Of course, we enjoy blessings from the hand of our God and Creator. But God called us together first of all to display His Son's grace and love to His church. God called us together in this bond of marriage in order that he might display Christ sacrificing for his bride, that he might display his own precious love, that he might show that Christ loves with a forgiving love and never forsakes his own bride. The highest purpose for marriage is to put the covenant relationship of Christ and his church on display before the world so that others may see it in concrete terms and reality. The world doesn't know this. But this is the truth. This is why marriage exists. And if you are married, this is why you are married. To reflect Christ and the church. Staying married is not, first of all, about yourself. It's not, first of all, about staying in love. It's not, first of all, about the other person. It's about keeping covenant. As long as we both shall live till death us do part. Good vows. Those are proper vows at the time of your marriage. Why do we say that? Because the vow Christ made to us when he died for us and by his grace brought us to himself that vow is unconditional and there is he is faithful. And we say, Lord, I want to represent that in my marriage. 
marriage is lifelong because the one most valuable thing in all the world that we must show, we were created and saved to show it, the most valuable thing is the faithful love of God. In times of distance from your wife, in times of backsliding, this is where my heart must be pricked. Christ keeps covenant with me. Do we see how serious, how sacred, how solemn is our marriage? God is saying, you're married in order that all the world may know that I am faithful. That all the world may know that Christ loves the church. Well, there's a lot of application here. There's applications for young adults and for teenagers. You need to prepare yourself for marriage. You prepare yourself for marriage not by the last fling as a single person. You don't prepare yourself by buying all kinds of things or owning all kinds of things. You don't prepare yourself for marriage by looking at movies or pornography. You may be assured if you do that. You have sowed, apart from God's grace, you have sown the seeds that will destroy your marriage and bring untold bitterness into your soul. No, you prepare your marriage when deep down in your heart you live right now faithful to God. Faithful to God. Faithful to God in your body. Faithful to God in your thoughts. Girls, does that young man love God? Well, he says he does, you say. Okay. Is he faithful to God? Well, what do you mean? What does he do with you? And what does he want to do with you? Is he faithful to God? Those who are married. Sometimes, I said last week when we began this series, in marriage we want the quick fix. We find that our hearts are filled with agony, and it seems that we cannot endure it for yet another moment. We find out that getting married was not very hard. It's staying married. That can be very hard and impossible for us. God's Word is the power to change us. And I pray that this seed of God's Word may land by the Holy Spirit on a little boy's heart of six years old, or a little girl of nine, or a teenager of fourteen, or nineteen, or thirty-three, or fifty-two, or eighty. Here's the word of God. Marriage is about covenant keeping. It's about showing the faithful love of God. That's what it's about. That's what God calls you to do. May God put grit into our souls spiritual grit into our souls so that we are not blown away by the billboards, by the internet, by the movies of this world, but that in Christ we know a faithful love of God, that we know that personally as sinners, the wonderful faithful love of God to me, so that we are committed that in marriage we shall show a faithful love of God to each other so that when the wind comes and the tornadoes of troubles blow, we're not blown away, though hell break loose. 
we are committed to love faithfully, even as He loved us. To our passions and to our lusts, to our feelings and to our rights, we say, you are not my God. You're not my God. My rights, what is right? What about me? You're not God. Me is not God. God is my God. Covenant is my life. God is on display in my marriage. The God who does not forsake me. The God who takes me back in repentance. May God give us grace in our marriage. May God give us grace in this day of destroying marriage in our culture which destroys marriage, our self-exalting land. May we not bow down at the shrine of our desires and our own emotions. May we bow down before the foot of Christ and ask, Lord, give me a marriage which displays what it means that Christ loves the church. Give me a marriage that wants first to show thy glory, a marriage as it was intended by thee in the beginning. Let us pray. Father, we thank Thee for Thy precious Word, and we pray that it may be a good word to our heart. It may be a balm, a balm of healing, of recommitment, that we may focus now more clearly upon our calling. For, Lord, we are sinners, and we get off the track, and so many things become so vitally important, especially our own rights become so important to us. May we rather cast our rights aside and say that we have but one blessed privilege. We shall show forth thy faithful love. Grant it in Jesus' name. Amen. The gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.